So the VFW is in the house. Hurrah! Right? Later on in the program, when I'm through, uh, we will have a honor guard perform the honors tribute for our fallen soldiers. They do an outstanding job, and I think you'll really enjoy what they bring to the table. Do we have any veterans in the house? If you've served in any of the five branches of the military, I'd like to ask you to please stand up. Now I'm going to go one further because if you're the spouse of any one of these folks that stood up and you were with them when they served in the military, I'd like you to stand up as well. Hallelujah. Thank you for your service and God bless you. It's an honor, a privilege, and a blessing for me to be here today to take some time this morning to recognize our fallen heroes, members of the U.S. military, and civilians who gave their life for this country. What a great privilege to have veterans, Christians, and family members all together at the same time to pay tribute to our fallen and to bring the spirit of the word and the spirit of God to you today. Can I get an amen on that? So God is in the house. If you would, I'd like to open with prayer. If you would bow your heads, please. Father God, thank you for your presence, your grace. We ask that your words be highlight of the day. That the sword of the Spirit, the Holy Bible, comes alive. And we get to move a bit closer to you this morning. Father God, we recognize our fallen comrades today. We thank you for one nation under God. And may you continue to bless the United States of America. Amen. As we pay tribute this morning, ever ask ourselves, why did so many people have to die? What would possess a person to die for a cause or to even die for their country? What would possess them to sacrifice something bigger than they are? Todd, second slide, please. Well, was it the flag itself? Probably not. Was it the paper that the Declaration of Independence was signed on and the ink that went with it? Probably not. Was it the Constitution? More ink, more paper? Probably not. I can tell you what it was. It's what all three of those represent. Amen? And they present our inalienable rights. And inalienable rights come directly from God. And we'll go over that here in just a few minutes. So the next slide, please. I'll have you know it took me three weeks to learn how to say inalienable. It was worse than aluminum. And I, I practiced and practiced. But where, Ron Sarbo here? Where's Ron? Ron and I were together a week ago, and he's like, I don't even know what inalienable means. He says, you better put the definition. I said, if you don't know what it means, I better put the definition up here. Inalienable is the right, according to natural law, God's law, a right that cannot be taken away. Cannot be taken away. It can't be taken away by man. can't be taken away by a piece of paper. It's given to you by God. It can only be taken away from you by God. So if we go to the next slide. Inalienable rights. We hold these truths to be self-evident 
that all men were created equal, that they are endowed by their creator, God, with certain inalienable rights, and among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Amen? So you can be assured that prior to the signing of the Declaration of Independence, it was vigorous. It was vigorously discussed, argued over, ratified over and over and over, years before they even signed it. But one of the areas they all agreed to was where God fit into this. And God fit right dead center in the Declaration of Independence. Unanimous decision of all 56 signers and congressmen at the time unanimously put life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as given to us by God, as given to us by our inalienable rights and the laws of God. So let me take you back to 1776. Not that I'm that old, folks. But history books tell us that it was a hallelujah moment. And until you examine the Revolutionary War and you examine the people who have fallen for us, you can't really appreciate what a hallelujah moment that really was. I mean, the fireworks and the, and the joy, um, I, I can't even imagine. So one nation under God is born in God we trust. It's the heart of our Declaration of Independence. It's in the heart of every fallen comrade who's fought from the Revolutionary War right up until yesterday or this morning. God is the very essence of our being, and certainly a new way of life was born July 4th, 1776. Most people do not realize that the Revolutionary War actually started in 1775. It was going on and continued to go on until 1783. So we have two groups of people who died for this country at the start of the country. The people who died during the 15 months before we signed the Declaration of Independence who were fighting for something that didn't even exist yet. They were fighting for something that was about to become, something that they had to fight for, something that someday they might be able to do. So my hat's off to those fallen comrades because the Declaration of Independence didn't even exist and they still died for what they believed in. And I gotta believe that God was at the forefront of that. Even when it was drafted, the second group fought and died while it was signed and then fought for another seven years afterwards. Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. Maybe now we get just a little bit closer to why. We're not just fighting to be free. We were fighting to be free as one nation under God. Hallelujah. The very core of our nation. Now, that's a cause to die for. Now we understand this was a cause probably driven by God, certainly protected by God, blessed by God. The very hands of our forefathers were driven by the Spirit of the Lord to put this on their hearts. They used the Bible as their source of knowledge. They used the Bible to write the Declaration of Independence. They used parts of the Bible to write the Bill of Rights and they used the Bible in parts of the United States Constitution. Praise God. You can clap, that'd be okay. 
So at that point in time, another fight started to happen because believe me, when a group of 56 people and a country decided that one nation under God was going to happen and they all agreed to it, we really hit Satan upside the head with a baseball bat right then and there. I mean, we poked him right in the nose, didn't we? So now we must defend. Even if it cost our lives, it's time to fight, defend, and use our source of one truth, our Bibles. It's time as a nation to get our Bibles and start living our lives according to the Bible. So speaking of Bibles, amen, go ahead. If you would put slide five up, Todd. I knew I wouldn't be able to read this. Good thing I copied it. As we turn to Scripture, I selected the armor of God. It's in Ephesians 6, um, verses 10 through 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put the full armor of God so that you can take a stand against evil schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of the evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm, then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Amen. Thank you for that. That scripture might as well have been a direct order for every soldier that ever fought in the United States military, and certainly some real key civilians that I'm going to talk about here shortly. Direct order from God himself to all that fought and served, whether you're military or civilian. This is a uniform we all can wear as we're called to honor and fulfill God's word. We are all warriors. The greatest weapon we can use is found in scripture. Next slide. It's at the very tail end of the one that I just read. If I extract the 17th verse, we talk about the greatest weapon that ever lived is right here, ladies and gentlemen. Greatest weapon that ever lived. The Bible is the sword of God. Next slide, please. The Bible is the sword of God. It's the sword of the Spirit, as it says here in the Scripture, the ultimate we weapon that each one of us can use. Yet, some of us never choose to use it. Some of us hardly use it. We never use it for a source of truth anymore or a source of education for ourselves or our children but I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, it is the ultimate source. And if it was good enough for our forefathers, it ought to be good enough for us. Our forefathers did. We have become a society that really doesn't need it. 
Most days it sits on the end table because it looks good. We never think to read it. We never think to pick it up and use it as a source of life or a source of joy or a source for answers. Well, it is the ultimate weapon, and since we have a room full of soldiers, it is the foundation of our nation. It is the very source we use to create the Declaration of Independence. And had I had more than a half an hour, I would have mapped the Bible to the Declaration of Independence, which would have been about 15 minutes worth. But it is the very source we use to create and draw from the Ten Commandments. We used it to create the Bill of Rights and the Constitution of the United States. But yet it sits on that table more and more and more. So we didn't have Federal Express back in the 1400s. So I often thought that it probably was God's plan all along. I mean, think about it. Have you ever thought that God planned this all along? to get the Bible to the shores of the United States, because we all, we have kids in the audience, 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue, right? Guess what was on board? A Bible. The Mayflower landed Plymouth Rock. Guess what was on board? Bibles. When they formed Jamestown, which was the first Christian society sometime in the 15 or 1600s, they used the Bible to form that society. And part of that society was also moved into our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution. Every ship that sailed from the 1500s all the way through 1775 most likely had Bibles on board. Hallelujah. What other way did they get here? It certainly wasn't Federal Express and UPS, right? It was the best-selling book of that time. It's the number one best-selling book today. And it still holds the Guinness World Book of Records as the best-selling and most known book of all time. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And yes, I did Google that, and that's, uh, I Googled that last week. And it's, so those of you that want to hold me to my word, <laughs> Google it. Have you ever asked yourself a simple question? Like, what if God was not in the Declaration of Independence? or at the center of our very existence as a nation, would you still defend it? Would you die for a country that didn't have God at the center of it? I would hope that most of you would say probably not. I know the 49 years I wore a uniform, Cub Scout, eight years old, Boy Scout, 11, 12 years old, Weeblow, then I got into the military, that was a 20-year uniform, and now I'm wearing a VFW uniform. So I've wore five uniforms in 49 years. I fight for one country under God, and I'm sure that most of you do too. So what happened to us in the last 242 years? How did we get so far from where our forefathers envisioned us? Simple answer. Satan. Satan was present when God created Adam and Eve. We all know the havoc he played there. He was there throughout our entire life as a country. He lies, he cheats, he steals, he's a master deceiver. 
We've all seen it. Even when we were fighting the Revolutionary War, he tried to stop America from forming. And man, he tried hard. He did not succeed. He tried to punish Christians. He even tried to take out of our forefathers before they signed it. And if you would show slide eight. I don't know if most of you can read that, but I'll read it to you. 56 people signed the Declaration of Independence. By signing the Declaration of Independence, the 56 Americans pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. It was no idle pledge. Nine signers died of wounds during the Revolutionary War. Five were captured or imprisoned. Wives and children were killed, jailed, mistreated, or left penniless. Twelve signers, houses were burnt to the ground. Seventeen lost everything they owned. And no single signer defected, ran away from the cause. Their honor, like their nation, totally remained intact. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan destroyed most of our forefathers after they signed the Declaration of Independence, as you just saw. Forty-three of them were listed in this slide I had. He has run rampant. He's run rampant in our government, in our schools, in our business, in some of our marriages, and the list goes on. What happened in the past 242 years? Nobody can say it better than the late Paul Harvey. So if you would, Todd, play the video. Ladies and gentlemen, that video was played somewhere in the mid-60s by the late Paul Harvey over 50 years ago. Sobering, isn't it? We all have our own version of what has transpired over the last 242 years, but we can hold on to the truth, the truth that God showed up big for us in 1776, and he blessed us with a country, a country to be recognized as one nation under God. I think it's evident that we still got a lot of work to do. And he showed us something even bigger over 2,000 years ago when he sent Jesus to die for our sins. When God sent his only begotten son to defeat Satan on his own turf. To not only defeat Satan, but to shed his blood for you and I to ensure that we can make a free will decision, a free will choice, God or Satan, and be forgiven of all of our sins the very second that we accept Jesus into our life. So today we honor our fallen comrades. Let us never forget the greatest warrior who ever lived, 
And that warrior is Jesus Christ. Round of applause for that. The son who became flesh, who never raised a gun, never raised a sword, never raised a knife, and as best we can tell, never raised his fist. He used his faith in God, his faith in his father, and the power given to him, him by God to teach us all, to show us there is life after death, there is forgiveness, there is peace and joy if you choose to receive it. The New Testament is born. If you would, Todd, show uh, slide nine. Of all the scriptures, we talked a lot about the Bible and the Bible being the sword of the Spirit. We talked about it would behoove us to start using it, going back to its lessons. Um, but if you don't read any verse in the entire Bible, read this one. It is my favorite scripture, so there was no way that I wasn't going to mix it into today's sermon. Um, this is one you should really take to heart because it's a direct quote from Jesus himself. Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father unless it's through me. Amen? So we talked a lot about the Bible today, and we talked a lot about the core of our country. Um, I can tell you, in my personal experience, and Pastor Norm did a sermon many years ago, but it caught my heart. <clears throat> I have a dream and a nightmare, and they're, if you don't do one, you get the other. So we've all, we all understand good and faithful servant. So the good dream is, as I'm dreaming and I actually go to heaven and I actually see Jesus and he's standing there with open arms, welcome Steve, my good and faithful servant. And I just fall to the ground sobbing because everything I ever believed as a human being just came true. There is life after death. There is a Jesus. And by God, he's prepared a place for me in heaven. Hallelujah. I mean, that is an outstanding dream. I'll tell you that. It's just wonderful to, to be able to do that. But there's another side of that dream, and I call that the nightmare, because I get to heaven, and Jesus is standing like this, and I don't even get to see his face. And he turns over his shoulder and says, you did not know me, therefore I will not know you before my father. And this trap door opens. Down I go. And in the nightmare, you know, I'm in hell now for eternity, and there's no way I'm getting out. So that is why John 14, 6 is so important to me, because when I go to heaven, I want to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. I want all of you to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. So in closing, the message today is we need to beat Satan. We need to beat him on his own turf. We need to beat him right here, right here, 
with the sword of the Spirit that God gave us 242 years ago and a whole bunch of other people thousands of years ago. The way to win is to turn to Jesus. The way to win is to grab your Bibles and start using them as your sword of the Spirit. How many here really want to get closer to God? Raise your hands. Outstanding. Well, you can right now. You give yourself a chance, and I'd ask, uh, I don't know if the worship team's going to come up. Roger, are you... Uh, Just part of the program, we always want to give people a chance to become born again. It's very simple. It's non-threatening. If your heart's telling you right now to get closer to God and to grab your Bible and maybe start reading it a little more, then you must follow your call and follow your heart. Just like our fallen comrades and forefathers, of which many are in heaven because they chose God, Beat Satan on his own turf and become a born-again Christian. Beat him right here, right now. Hit him in the head with a baseball bat because God knows our forefathers did 242 years ago and we ought to be carrying that torch, amen? So with every head bowed, let me see a show of hands of people who would like a better walk with the Lord. Walk with God. Show some hands to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Thank you very much. Raise them high and don't be afraid. Repeat after me. And those of you that are born-again Christians, let's help out folks that are getting there for the first time today. Father God, I need you. I'm a sinner. I believe in John 3.16 that you suffered, died, and rose again to give me salvation. I ask you this morning, God, take me, wash me, cleanse me. All of my sins, I lay them at your feet. I ask you to come into my life. Be my Lord and Savior. Right now, this minute, I receive you, Lord, and I will believe in you all the remaining days of my life. In the mighty name of Jesus, amen. Round of applause. I believe if you prayed that prayer, God will change your life if you opened your heart and received it. I would like to mention that for those of you that maybe did this for the first time today, the ushers will have a book. It's titled, The Start of Something Wonderful. I know this book out of personal experience. I've already read it twice. But when I was born again in this church for what would have been probably the second or third time, um, that book helped me out tremendously. It's simple, it's easy to read, and it's got a timeline through it. And if you can get from start to finish, your walk with God will be an outstanding one. And that'll help you get through the scriptures in the Bible. And it'll help you become the sword of the Spirit. The sword and the word of the Almighty God.
I would like to call up the worship team now, and in a few minutes, we're going to uh, direct the VFW to uh, uh, head to the lobby for the second half of this. But in signing off, I want to thank you. God bless you. God bless our veterans here today. God bless Mount Hope Church. And most importantly, God bless the United States of America. Thank you very much.